Welcome to the About Seth podcast, where we're talking all things Seth Godin. This is part two of my summary of Poke the Box by Seth Godin. When was the last time you did something for the first time? This follows on directly from part one, so <laughs> makes sense. If you want to check out part one, feel free to check it out in the previous episode. And also, it follows on from the Poke the Box workbook. You don't have to listen to that before listening to this, but I'd suggest listening to part one first. Before I get stuck in, you can grab a free copy of the Poke the Box workbook, which is like a 15-page little preview to the book Poke the Box by going to aboutseth.com slash free or you can grab your own copy of the full book Poke the Box by going to aboutseth.com slash books. Let's get into it. So following on from part one, Poke the Box is a little book about starting, about trying new things, about doing things differently and basically about initiative. And Seth says, life is like a buzzer box. Poke it and find out what happens. So just to remind you, the book is written in short little 200-word blog posts. And so I'll give you the title of the blog post and then read out my summarized ideas from that post. The first section, the elements of production. An idea, people to work on it. A place to build or organize it. Raw materials, distribution, money, marketing. That's what economists and university lecturers and Wall Street investors have long believed are required to make things happen. But all of these are wasted if the least understood but most important input is missing. You need someone to say, go. It's all wasted. It's useless unless someone insists, pushes, cajoles, and launches. All the other elements are cheaper and easier to find than ever before, and this makes that motive force so critical. We've built the largest economic engine in history. All the tools are here, cheaper than before. The market is waiting, the capital is waiting, the factories are waiting, and even the stores are waiting. They're all waiting for someone to say, go. Walking in circles, the Max Planck Institute for Biological Cybernetics conducted a study into what people do when they get lost. Now, I don't mean metaphorically, I mean literally, no map, no compass, no way of determining major landmarks. They dropped people in the woods or in the desert to see how people would find their way out. And it turns out, we walk in circles. We may be trying to walk in a straight line, we think we're walking in a straight line, we think we're on the way out but we end up right back where we started. People are looking for a map. People need a map. Be the guy who makes the map and people will follow you. What do you do here? It's a question asked of people inside organizations and you'll often get an answer that lists some specific tasks they complete on a regular basis. Some people give self-limiting responses. They say, I'll just do the paperwork. Others might be grandiose. They say, Uh, I organize meetings with the CEO, Uh, but almost no one says, I start stuff. If there's no one starting stuff, where does innovation come from? It's not just about having ideas. There are plenty of ideas floating around, but actually starting them. Be that guy. Be the one that starts things. Be the person who says yes. 
poke the box. Your box can be anything. Try something new and see what happens. Take computer programmers, for example. There's no real step-by-step guide to getting good at computer programming. They try and make some code and they see what the computer does. Then they change the code a little and see what happens. They repeat this process of poking and seeing what happens until they eventually figure out how the box works. Your box might be a computer, but it might be a market or a customer or your boss. It's a puzzle that can only be solved in one way, and that's by poking. Think to yourself, when I do this, what happens? The more you poke, the more you understand, and the more power you have to make things happen. As soon as we willingly and blindly accept what's given, we lose all power. Only by poking, testing, modifying, and understanding can we truly own anything. Can we truly exert our influence? No one has influence or control or confidence in his work until he understands how to initiate change and he can predict how the box will respond. Kinds of capital. Financial capital, that's the money in the bank that can be put towards a project. Network capital, it's the people you know, connections you can make and systems you can plug into. Intellectual capital, it's the smarts, the systems, the software and people with insights. Physical capital is a plant, tools, machinery. Prestige capital, your reputation. And instigation capital, the desire to move forward, the ability to say yes. We're easily seduced by networks and prestige and money, but in our new economy, the most important kind of capital is the ability to say yes. It's starting things and about keeping moving forward. Is flux the same as risk? Flux is when things are moving. There is flow. Risk involves a chance of winning or losing. We put something at stake and it may or may not pay off. Risk is seen as bad by some people because it comes with the possibility of failure. Some may even see risk as the same as failure, and just the thought of risk is enough to shut you down and stop you from taking action. Risk is avoided because we've been trained to avoid failure. Seth defines anxiety as experiencing failure in advance. If you have anxiety about initiating a project, then of course you'll associate risk with failure. People have even begun to confuse flux with risk too. We think that if there's flow and movement, then something is at risk. We think anything that is unpredictable is risky. Fearful people try to avoid collisions, so they avoid movement altogether. These people have made two mistakes. One is they've assumed that risk is bad. It's not. And two is they've confused risk with flux. And because they fear flux and movement of any kind, they're stuck. They're stuck with the status quo, stuck with defending their position in the market, stuck with their current level of education, stuck because they're afraid of anything new, stuck because they don't like asking hard questions of others or of themselves. This probably didn't matter so much in the past, but now in this whole new world, We're in a state of flux. If a project doesn't have movement, then compared to the rest of the world, you're actually moving backwards. Like a rock in a flowing river, you might be standing still, but given the movement all around you, collisions are inevitable. 
The irony for the person who prefers not to move is that there's far less turbulence around the log floating down that exact same river. The log is moving, it's changing, but compared to the river around it, it's relatively calm. The economy demands flux. Flux is what we're in for. And fortunately for us, flux is what we were born for. The Trail of Failure Some people think about a career built on initiative as inevitably ending in failure. Now, most things break. Most ideas fail. Most initiatives don't succeed. People think if they're the guy who's always starting things that fail, they're doomed. But society seems to love the the schadenfreude of failure dance. We don't like the victory dance so much because it feels like bragging, but we're happy to publicly point the finger and blame things or for failed attempts. But avoiding failure is counterproductive. Countless successful people have made a career out of starting and therefore failing often. You don't even have to do any research to come up with a list. You already know their names because starting often and failing often leads to their eventual success. The more you do, the more you fail. That's true. But it's also true that if you learn from every failure, you're always a step closer to success. We're not talking about the failures that lead to disrespect or the shortcuts that you shouldn't have taken or the subpar work of someone who doesn't care. We're talking about the failure of people with good intent, people seeking connection and joy and the ability to make a difference. It's difficult to take initiative and start something new because it's frightening, but it's also important. The crowd won't stop worrying because worrying is what they do, but that's okay because you'll be making a difference and using your newfound leverage to do work that matters. The epidemic. So many people are frozen in the face of uncertainty and paralyzed at the thought of shipping work that matters that one might think the fear is hardwired into us. And it is. Scientists cannot identify exactly where the the lizard brain, as Seth calls it, the prehistoric brain that is filled with fear and stops you from doing crazy things that will risk your ability to reproduce. But unless you're doing something that's actually physically harmful or dangerous, the lizard brain is overreacting. Author Stephen Pressfield has given the, the voice inside your head a name. He calls it the resistance. For most of us, the re- resistance is always chattering away, frequently sabotaging our best opportunities and ruining our chances to do great work. Giving it a name helps you befriend it, and befriending it helps you ignore it. What can you start? Somehow, we fooled ourselves into believing that the project has to have a name and a building and a stock ticker symbol to matter, but that's not true. We don't have to start something risky to start something. Anyone can do it. Anyone can start something. That spark is simple to describe, but it's also easy to avoid. Just start something, anything. If it's obvious and simple though, why doesn't everyone do it? And when can you start? Soon is not as good as now. I hope you enjoyed part two of Poke the Box by Seth Godin. There's four more parts. It's quite a short book and I like giving it in these short snippets. So keep an eye out for part three. Again, if you'd like a free resource, which is the Poke the Box workbook, a 15-page document with excerpts and quotes and, and actions and questions from Poke the Box. Check it out at aboutseth.com slash free. And if you'd like to buy your own copy of Poke the Box, it's quite a short book, a really good read, and it really gets you going. 
Go to aboutseth.com slash books. Thank you for listening to the About Seth podcast. I hope you learned something along the way. I strongly urge you to check out more Seth Godin. You could either buy one of his books, check out one of his TED Talks, or subscribe to his daily blog. Or go to aboutseth.com.